your source for community. Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Touching the Past with your host, Trisha Markle. Hi, my name is Trisha Markle, and this is Touching the Past, a show where we normally explore the heritage of Huntsville and area. But on this program, we're going a little further afield and a little before our local history begins. This is all about New Year's Eve and day. First, why is New Year celebrated? It seems every country and culture acknowledges the New Year, whether on January the 1st or some other date. The main reason, British psychologist Richard Wiseman says, quote, it is tagged with the word new. As humans, we seem to give importance to new things in life. New Year is not just about celebrations and resolutions. It symbolizes motivation for new beginnings. Another new 365-day journey begins, and we tend to believe it is a new start. And Dr. Wiseman finishes with this quote, but nothing changes on New Year's Day. The earliest recorded festivities in honor of the arrival of a new year dates back 4,000 years to ancient Babylon. The first new moon following the vernal equinox around March the 21st heralded in the start of a new year. They marked the occasion with a massive religious festival called Akitu, derived from the Sumerian word for barley. The celebrations lasted 11 days, with different rituals every day this time also celebrated the victory of the Babylonian sky god Marduk over the evil goddess Tiamat. This was the time to also crown a new king or renew the reign of the present one. 2,000 years ago, that's BC, a Mesopotamian festival was recorded celebrating the end of a year and the start of a new one, also at the time of the vernal equinox. Civilizations around the world developed increasingly sophisticated calendars, often pinning the first day of the following year to agricultural or astronomical events. For instance, the Egyptians, their year began with the annual flooding of the Nile, coinciding with the rise of the star Sirius. The first recording of this dates to 4,236 BC. The Chinese planned the start of their new year with the second moon following the winter solstice. The early Roman calendar consisted of 10 months and 304 days, with the new year starting at the vernal equinox also, coinciding with harvest time in temperate Rome. According to tradition, the date was set by Romulus, the founder of Rome, in the 8th century BC, thus making the time when it was set in 793 BC their year number one. Sometime during his reign, 715 to 673 BC, Numa Pompilius added January and February Bruarius. Over the, over the century, the calendar fell out of sync with the sun, and in 46 BC, Julius Caesar decided to solve the problem by consulting the most prominent Greek mathematicians and astronomers like Sogenes of Alexandria. He then introduced the Julian calendar, instituting January the 1st as the start of the new year. January, named for the god Janus, with his two faces, was an appropriate choice. One face turned back to the old year, and one looking forward to the new. Romans celebrated with sacrifices and the exchange of gifts. Records show that in the 7th century people of Flanders and Netherlands followed their pagan traditions by giving gifts at the winter solstice as their, 
as their new year, which was condemned by the Catholic Church. But it was common in Britain and Europe to do the same, as it was part of the 12 days of Christmas. For 1600 years, the Julian calendar was in use, until medieval Christians at various times and places started celebrating the new year on December 25th, in respect for Jesus' birth date. To create consistency, Pope Gregory XIII revised the Julian calendar and officially established January 1st as New Year's Day in his Gregorian calendar, which was put into effect in October 1582. This calendar was first adopted by Catholic countries and subsequently in Protestant countries of the Western world, with a few exceptions. The Julian calendar is still in use in parts of the Eastern Orthodox Church and in Oriental Orthodoxy. Surprisingly, Britain and its empire, excluding Scotland, did not formally accept the new year as January the 1st until 1752, still formally using March the 25th as the start of the year. Informally, January the 1st had been accepted as the start of another year. With the introduction of this act, they discarded the Julian calendar with an adjustment of 11 days, which provoked confusion and dissent regarding religious days. However, in the business world, March is still often used as the year-end. In the Guan Valley in Wales, the New Year is celebrated on January the 13th, still based on the difference in days when the Gregorian calendar was switched from the Julian. In the Shetland Isles, they celebrate the Old Christmas on January the 6th, a newer day on January the 13th, again reflecting the old calendar dates. At various stages during the 20th centuries, all countries in Eastern Christendom adopted the Gregorian calendar, but retained the old one for religious purposes, making their new year, 14th, January the 14th, still considered a religious day. Nairuz and Enkutatash are the New Year's days of Coptic Egyptians and Ethiopians. They retain the ancient onset of the Nile flood as their New Year celebration, occurring during September. The oldest tradition still celebrated today is Chinese New Year, which is believed to have originated over 3,000 years ago in the Shang Dynasty. It is a way of celebrating new beginnings of the spring planting season. A more fanciful legend is one of a bloodthirsty dragon creature called Nian, now used as the word for New Year, that would come and attack villages every spring. To protect themselves, the people decorated their homes with red trimmings burning bamboo, and making loud noises. After gunpowder was invented by the Chinese in the 10th century, fireworks became an important factor in the festivities. All these features remain in the Chinese New Year or Dragon Festival today, including the fireworks. Lasting 15 days, there are numerous beliefs and traditions still acknowledged. Following the second full moon after the winter solstice, their new year usually falls in late January or early February. This year it occurs on January 22nd. Often called the Persian New Year, this festival called Nowruz is celebrated at the vernal equinox. Official records of Nowruz did not appear until the 2nd century, but most historians believe it dates back to the 6th century BC and the rule of Achaemenid. Unlike many ancient per Persian festivals, Nowruz persisted as an important holiday, even after Iran's conquest by Alexander the Great in 333 BC and the rise of Islamic rule in the 7th century. However, 
Although most countries have and do celebrate the New Year, Eve or Day, customs vary throughout the world and throughout the ages. I found an article by Armand Minthorne, who is the spiritual leader of the Confederate tribes of Northeast Oregon. He talks of how many tribes in the Northwest celebrate New Year on December the 20th, holding this ceremony just before the winter solstice. The festival is called Kimti Imiwit. The tradition comes from, quote, first food, salmon or nusuk, the second food is the deer, nuk, and the third is the bitter root called slyatan. A new year was when these sacred foods returned, end quote. The festivities are celebrated with songs, drums, dancing and prayers, and meals are shared. There may be other ancient traditional indigenous celebrations, but this is just one example. Perhaps festivities of this type were witnessed by the trappers of the Hudson Bay Company. Some of the early people connected to the fur trade kept interesting records and journals that told of the daily accounts of happenings on the post. Notes on the activities of employees and the general struggle for survival, the weather, visitors to the post, and anything of interest was jotted down. The one thing that throughout these journals is the one day of the year consistently stands out, New Year's Day. This was the most festive day in the year. It brought together post employees and their families, management, First Nations, retired traders, and sometimes even people from riding rival trading posts. Many of the fur traders came from Scotland, where elaborate Hogmanay celebrations on New Year's Eve included gift-giving, feasting, and visits with the family and friends. It was also a special time for the voyagers, who had shared similar celebrations in France. As indigenous families became involved, they brought their own touch to the event, and a unique set of traditions from the trading posts evolved, some of which lasted longer than the fur trade, as I'll mention a little further on. But right now, we'll take a short break and be back with more on New Year. Buy Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. This is Touching the Past with your host, Trisha Markle. Welcome back to Touching the Past. And this program is all about the end of and the start of a year. Back to the fur traders. The fur traders, new, fur trades, New Year celebrations were in place by the late 1700s when the Northwest Company traders traveling through the Athabasca region recorded the start of a new year. On January the 1st, 1793, famed explorer Sir Alexander Mackenzie wrote, quote, People woke at the break of day with the discharge of firearms, which, with which they congratulated the appearance of a new year. In return, they were treated with plenty of spirits, and when there is any flour, cakes are always added to their regales, which was the case on this present occasion, end quote. Mackenzie notes that there was a structure to the celebration on the posts. The people woke up at dawn and visited the postmaster or factor who oversaw the post and received food and drinks so that they may enjoy the day. If it was a large post, the things were more formal. At Mishipikoten in 1831, the post honoured the chief factor, George Keith, with a military salute before being welcomed into his house for, quote, several glasses of liquor, which was a mixture of whiskey and brandy, and a due proportion of flour cakes, End quote. 
After the men had left, the ladies, the wives of the Métis and First Nations, and the daughters of the voyagers were included in the festivities. Factor Keith was less generous with the First Nations, discouraging them by only offering a small amount of food and drink, as he believed they should not waste time but be out there trapping for the company. Celebrations carried on late into the night with music, probably fiddle music, and lots of dancing. Recorded at Matawa Post in 1850, that, quote, drinking began with a vengeance and liquor continued to flow. In later years, the Hudson Bay Company limited the amount of liquor it would sell employees. Sometimes these New Year's Eve or day parties got out of hand and exposed rifts between rival posts, as in Moose Factory in 1859. There was not much love lost between the Norwegian and Métis trappers and workers. Sometime during the partying, a Métis lady refused to dance with a Norwegian. Things escalated, and as noted, a serious disturbance broke out, resulting in a nasty fight. The Norwegians refused to work the next day, and within a few days abandoned their contracts to return home. Apparently, this story is still told around Moose Factory when the Métis stood up to the Norwegians. Often these parties would go on all night, leaving the men in no condition to work. If the factor was kind, he would give everybody January the 2nd off, and it was known sometimes the men were in such a state they could not work until the 3rd. As mentioned earlier, some of the fur trader traditions lingered among the Métis long after the fur traders left, but putting their own spin on the celebrations. A chivalry is a noisy celebration or gathering. The Métis held chivalry on New Year's, accompanied by the men firing their rifles at midnight. Often, January the 1st, it's called Kissing Day, or Oshituk-Kikska, or Shaking Hands Day, derived from the tradition of visiting everyone in the community and bringing in the new year with the shaking of hands and kissing. Every household would serve foods such as la boule, ground beef rolled in flour and boiled, bangs, which is fried bread, tortier, and confrit, which is berries in sauce, and perhaps pushin, a boiled cake. This type of celebration has been practiced since the era of French influence in the 1800s. Years ago, New Year's celebrations would last for five days, until the Epiphany, which in Christian beliefs is the time that it took the Magi to travel to Bethlehem when they recognized Jesus as the Son of God. Another New Year's tradition that survives today is the Levee. Levee means to rise, specifically from one's bed had its origins during the reign of Louis XIV, 1643 to 1715. It started with his custom to receive male subjects in his bedchamber, a habit that spread through the royal houses of Europe. The levy crossed the channel in the 18th century, where it became a formal reception in the afternoon. In the New World's colonies, the levy was held by the governor acting on behalf of the monarch. Because settlers were widely scattered and separated from the seat of government, the annual levy was an important event. It was in Canada the levy became associated with New Year's Day. The holding of the levy by the Governor-General or Lieutenant Governors is not a demand from a sovereign, but rather a pe- perpetuation of an ancient tradition. The first recorded levy in Canada was held on January the 1st, 1646, in the Chateau Saint-Louis, by Charles Haute Montmagny, Governor of New France. Apart from wishing visitors a happy new year, the levy was an important time to inform guests of the significant events in France 
as well as happenings in the colonies. Today, the word levy describes receptions on New Year's Day held by the Governor-General, Lieutenant Governors of the Province, the military and others to mark the advent of another year and provide an opportunity for the public to pay their respects. Today, New Year is celebrated all over Canada and generally a social event where midnight parties, dances, get-togethers abound. In larger cities, music shows and fireworks entertain thousands of people. Smaller communities often play ev plan events and in some regions like Quebec, outdoor on a fishing Outdoor on a lake fishing is their way to see the new year in. The polar bear swim has become synonymous with the first of the year. What do we associate with new year? Well, there's the song Old Lang Syne, usually sung at midnight. This is an old Scottish folk song with the transcribing, adapting and partial write, rewriting done in the late 18th century poet Rabbi, or in English, Robert Burns. The line, should old acquaintance be forgot, is interpreted as a call to remember old friends and experiences from the past. Revived as a New Year's Eve song in the mid-19th century, it became firmly entrenched as a holiday standard when Canadian bandleader Guy Lombardo and his Royal Canadians played it during a radio broadcast from the Roosevelt Hotel in New York on December 31, 1929. The band went on to play this every New Year until 1976, but most celebrations continue to play or sing the song at midnight. Old Lang Syne is always played for the annual ball drop in Times Square, watched on television by an estimated billion people. This world-famous celebration dates back to 1904, when the New York Times newspaper moved its premises to what, is known as Long a what was known as Longacre Square and convinced the city to rename the area as Times Square in its honour. At the end of the first year at the new address, the Times put on a great party, marking the new year with fireworks. When the city banned fireworks in 1907, an electrician devised a wood and iron ball that weighed 700 pounds. It was illuminated by a hundred light bulbs and was dropped from the flagpole at one Times Square. Since then, except for 1942 and 43, when the ceremony was suspended for wartime dim-out, the ball was undergone, has undergone several upgrades over the decades, and this seventh version weighs nearly 1,200 pounds and is covered with 2,688 Waterford crystals. It is illuminated by 32,256 LEDs and can display more than 16 million vibrant colours and billions of patterns for a spectacular kaleidoscope effect. Other cities have now added their own versions, as in Miami, a giant orange is lowered. In Eastover, North Carolina, a three-foot ceramic flea is used. In Hershey, Pennsylvania, what else but a giant Hershey kiss is used. And even Nashville gets into the fun by lowering a huge musical note at midnight. And other places have their own particular ball drop. Well, why do we make resolutions? For this, we go back to the Babylonians again. They made promises in order to earn the favor of the gods and start the new year off on the right foot. They would reportedly vow to pay off debts and return borrowed items. Every year, resolutions are still made. To quit smoking, to diet, to exercise, more. But for most, February is about as long as they last. Quite often, the new year is represented by a baby. The baby tradition dates back to ancient Greece, 
where an, in an infant in a basket was paraded around to mark the annual rebirth of Dionysus, the god of wine and fertility. Sometimes accompanied by Father Time and Old Man, Baby New Year has appeared on banners, cartoons, posters and cards for several hundred years. As we welcome many people from other countries, new traditions will be absorbed into our New Year's celebrations. There are many ways people celebrate this holiday. Quite often the roots are lost in time. In Cuba, Austria, Hungary, Portugal and other countries, pork is the meat of choice for either New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. Pigs represent progress and prosperity. In Spain and other Spanish-speaking countries, a dozen grapes are eaten as quickly as possible just before midnight, symbolizing their hope for the year ahead. In many parts of the world, legumes thought to resemble coins are to bring financial success in the following year. Examples would be lentils in Italy and black-eyed peas in southern states. In the Netherlands, Mexico and Greece, and elsewhere, Ring-shaped cakes and pastries are served, signifying that a year has come full circle. In Sweden and Norway, rice pudding is served with an almond hidden inside, and the one who finds it has luck through the coming year. Other traditions from around the world to celebrate the new year are The Danes throw plates at front doors of family and friends for good luck. In some Latin American countries, one's choice of underwear color determines whether they will find love, prosperity, or peace. Brazilians jump over a wave seven times to get into the sea goddess's good graces. Russians write their wish on paper, burn it, and then drink the ashes in champagne. In the Philippines, roundness is considered good luck, so they surround themselves with round objects, wear polka dot fabric, eat round fruits, and carry coins. In Turkey, salt is sprinkled on the doorstep at the stroke of midnight to propose, promote peace and prosperity. In Ireland, girls sleep with mistletoe under their pillows in the hope of finding a husband. In Colombia, you'd run around the block with an empty suitcase in the hope of future travel. In Greenland, a protectorate of Denmark, they can celebrate twice, once on Danish time and once on their time. In Hawaii, fireworks are lit to ward off evil spirits, eating noodles for longevity and cleaning so as not to bring your old life into the new year. In Switzerland, dropping a spot of cream on the floor will bring you an abundance. In Bolivia, finding a coin in a cake is good luck. The French eat pancakes. In Chile, a night at the cemetery with their deceased loved ones is the custom. In Scotland, first footing, where they believe the first person to enter your home in the new year will bring either good luck or bad, depending on which foot crosses the step first. Also, a dark-haired man carrying a lump of coal to guarantee heat in the coming year and a bottle of scotch to guarantee a good hogmanay is the best way to begin a new year. In many countries, old superstition of opening the doors and windows to let the old year out and the new year in unimpeded. I cannot say how factual any of these are or if they're still carried out. This was from an article on New Year's traditions by Michelle Boudin, a reporter for WCNC-TV. So it seems that we are and have always been anxious for the old year to move quietly out and bring in the new one with some form of celebration. On this January the 1st, I'd like to wish everybody a happy, healthy and safe new year. This has been Touching the Past on Hunters Bay Radio 88.7. Listen for the next program. We will return to Muskoka Heritage. <laughs>